Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. We're back with episode 29 of the Impact Investing Podcast. This week, we're talking about woke capitalism, or the war on woke capitalism, um, which we've sort of hinted on in a few previous episodes, Mm -hmm. maybe touched on it in our... Uh, a few of our predictions for 2023. Yeah. But um, there is a bit of a war or a bit of a backlash against ESG, um, especially in America. Mm -hmm. And um, we want to just go into that in a bit more detail because it's been rumbling on for basically a year or more now. Mm -hmm. Um, We've not really covered it in a a full episode, um, but we thought we should talk about it today, Tom. Yeah. Um, And uh, just before we do that, just a little quick mention of uh, us riding high in the podcast charts around the world. Two new, two new charts. Um, Australia, thank you very much, and Poland. Um, and so, uh, thank you for for our ever expanding international fan base. Yeah. Um, so on to uh, on to ESG. So yeah, as you said, Matt, in the it's becoming a uh, it's become a very politicised issue in the in the US, um, and I think it's been wrapped up in a lot of what is deemed to be the kind of culture wars in the US, the woke, anti-woke kind of debate. And I think a lot of that stems from the the climate side of ESG, but I think it applies to some of the S side too. Um, the climate as an issue is already very political um, in the US, so much more so than it is in the UK uh, and Europe. And so I think ESG was always going to face a, a bit of a backlash because of, because of that over there. And you've seen this kind of ramping up recently with a lot of the big Republican uh, names coming out. Ron DeSantis, who many tip in for uh, the next president, or at least be in the presidential um, uh, uh, run with Donald Trump. Mitt Romney, Marco Rubio, Mike Pence have been... Uh, have been coming out with strong statements against asset managers, in their view, forcing... U.S. pension funds and, and U.S. investors to consider ESG risks um, and climate risks, and and you've seen the headlines of what this has led to. Um, some U.S. pension funds withdrawing billions, which is still small in the grand scheme of things, and you know, especially when you relate it to BlackRock, who they've been withdrawing from billions from BlackRock strategies. Um, and you've seen, and what we mentioned in our in the last the last episode we did, we did about the predictions for next year. And you mentioned about a CEO potentially getting fired um, this year um, for um, commitment, to commitment to ESG. You've already seen um, some people calling for Larry Fink to be fired for forcing his woke agenda onto his clients. This is despite BlackRock still having $100 billion invested in uh, energy companies, especially in like areas of uh, the US um, that are known for um, oil production, like Texas. And so that's the kind of backdrop of kind of where we're up to. There's just been a heavily politicized debate in the US that's kind of getting um, lumped into areas which we think aren't really related to ESG investing anyway, which yeah. we'll kind of go into. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's it's something that sat in the UK seems slightly odd. Mm. As you say, these some of these issues aren't um well, ESG isn't a political football, far from it, in the UK or even anywhere in Europe. And, and um, you know, the climate isn't really. It's a con- you know, yeah. there's, there's a general consensus view that the world has to transition to to a low-carbon economy yeah. in in the UK and Europe, regardless of what side of the political uh, fence you sit on. Yeah. In the in the U- US, it's it's not, and it's become a big political football. And and with it. Um, you know, on that climate specifically, it's been it's been 
anyone in the on the investment side in the investment industry talking about it, it's been dragged into being branded as woke by the republic or the, the extremes of the republican party so yeah. you know that began sort of back in 2021 um and it was sort of a, a signal of it was with off the back of esg sort of growing in strength in the us that that the backlash against it came wasn't it really yeah and i think Larry Fink started to come out. Larry Fink is obviously a very important industry figure because he's the CEO, founder of the biggest asset management firm in the world, BlackRock. They've got about $8 trillion, um, of assets under management. Um, and he came out um, in a 2021 uh, like a public letter, shareholder BlackRock letter, saying there was no issue ranks higher than climate change on our clients' list of priorities, and they ask us about it nearly every day. So it was a big, bold statement from someone um, who uh, is obviously a, ma- a major figure in asset management and who kind of is a major figure in a company that hasn't really been anywhere near the climate debate in the past mm-hmm. and hasn't been seen as woke and hasn't mm-hmm. been seen as left-wing or liberal or whatever you want to call it in the US. So that was a big signal. And then the second came in March um, 2021 when Biden started to propose regulation um, that required climate risk disclosures in the US for publicly traded companies, kind of similar to how the regulation has come in in the, in the EU. And so that ga- gathered a... That, that already gathered a lot of attention of an already politicized issue. And then there was this, this situation where um, there was a, a small um, investment company in the US called Engine Number One. They earned enough votes to gain three Exxon board seats to try and force yeah. through climate-related issues at Exxon's, on Exxon's board. And they got backing from BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. Vanguard and State Street, two of the other biggest asset managers in the world. And so you had these three issues that happened that kind of built up and built up. And now we've got this a political hot potato in the US and this strong response from Republicans, especially Republicans who are um, in oil states in yeah. the US where there's a significant oil lobby and they defend invested interests. And it's kind of similar to how we've talked about on previous podcasts about how Exxon have planted the seeds of doubt over the last few decades when it came to climate change and climate um, change issues. And how they got Republicans, you know, on side to do their bidding for them. Um, and now it seems like a similar thing is happening when it comes to ESG. And a lot of things are being brought into the ESG umbrella in the US that actually aren't in it in reality. Yeah. Um, and it's making it all a bit confusing. And I think that's the tactic is to confuse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we talked before about um, lobbying. That yeah. obviously the tactic there is to just cause confusion, cause some debate, cause some something in there which just slows slows a, a move uh, down. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the threat of ESG is obviously, I, I would, you know, personal view is that that's probably triggered some of this. And you're seeing, and, and it would correlate with the fact that where they've brought in state legislation against yeah. their own state pension funds investing yeah. in anything that considers ESG, um, you know, there's a correlation there with the energy states, the oil states, um, and certainly Republican yeah. uh, states. So, you know, it, it's um, and and the argument there is the argument against ESG is that it's is that for these pension funds, their objective is obviously mm. to make money for the pension holders. Yeah. For, um, and the argument against ESG is that if you're excluding certain things, then you are not. Uh, it's not compatible with your what you called your fiduciary duty or fiduciary duty, yeah. which is to make money for that client. Yeah. Um, now. So and and the pointing to last year, you know, mm. a lot of the press on this because it's not just the politicians. Obviously, the press have followed yeah. the right wing press of, or the right press in in America. So you know there was a there was a 
the really sort of weird opinion piece in the New York Post um, talking about it. Uh, Tucker Carlson on on Fox has has, has, has spoken about it, um, but it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a weird thing to say that you know last year basically there was the point to last year and saying well if you if you were out of oil or you were out of you know some of the heavy polluting companies last year that did very well due to the to the Ukraine situation then you were you were not fulfilling your fiduciary duty yeah. now the issue there is obviously these pension funds have a really long term mm. time horizon and you can point to any one you know you can point to any specific period in time where one thing might have done better than another yeah. obviously what you've got to look at is long term yeah. um and now so, using it as as kind of proof that aha the the woke agenda is costing you money, and yeah. that is going against your fiduciary, you know, uh, reasons for existing. What they're meant to do is maximise returns for their beneficiaries and for their pension members, and you're not doing that. But as you said, the, the the time frame of these pension funds, and you know, any investor should be super long term. And so the likes of BlackRock and all the other big asset managers, they think that you should look at the the risks along the ES and G um, uh, ESG framework. Because over the long term, these risks could be really material to your returns and your financial yeah. outcomes. So yeah. they argue that they are doing, they are very much so doing their fiduciary duty by incorporating these risk factors. But everything's just getting lumped in with, well, woke is bad. You know, you're, if you're on the right political spectrum in the US, anything that is related to climate, anything that's related to social justice and progress is seen as democratic issues, and we don't want to go anywhere near that. And now ESG, because it includes climate and the word social in there, that sounds bad. And so we'll lump everything with that and we'll call it all bad and we'll try and get a backlash against it and stop the kind of, what I think is the unstoppable trend to, to considering, you know, ESG-related problems and, you know, impact-related issues with people's investments and with their money. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the investment managers, these aren't, these aren't, it's not as if every investment manager in the US or the big ones have woken up and suddenly had this moment where <laughs> all they're interested in is, is some sort of woke agenda or, or you know, <laughs> or even making the world a better place. They're mm-hmm. there to make money. And therefore, the ESG frameworks they use and the ESG you know, uh, risk assessments that they do yeah. are there purely with that, with that motive in mind. Yeah. Is, you know, we want to get, get information's power in investments, right? You know, like that's, why, that's why there's mm. restrictions on public information and private information, et cetera, to stop people inside a trade and all this type of thing. The, what they're trying to do is get as much information on these businesses as they possibly can. Yeah. And they're trying to weigh up what the the complete picture of that company's risk is. Yeah. They're sort of trying to change them from a just financial statements into financial statements plus wider risk factors. Yeah. Concerned with external factors, internal factors around the environment, social, yeah. you know, governance, etc. And and that is what they're trying to do here. So there's yeah. a real danger actually that you end up uh costing these states money mm. because it was almost like you're 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 not using the best in class investment yes. theory. Yeah, you're yeah. not you're not allowing your investment manager to take into consideration all of the factors available to them. Yeah, yeah. You're only allowing them to invest in a very limited way. Yeah. So um and they've also gone for banks and things like this in these states. So you've actually seen it in some states where their cost of borrowing has gone up because they've been restricted about how they can basically issue and trade their own debt. Yeah. Um so, you know, it seems like a bit of a uh, a shot in the foot, but they can still post. They, they can still point. Sorry to these last year's performance figures and go. Ah, ah well, you know, oil companies did well, so why weren't you? Why weren't you investing all of the worst oil companies out there? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's interesting because we've been critical of ESG and we will be critical again of ESG very shortly. But it's not for these reasons. It's, it's yeah. not because it's some kind of woke 
extreme left-wing kind of agenda. It's hilarious to think BlackRock is, a, is an extreme left-wing woke organization. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to kind of, you know, state it again, what ESG is, you just touched on it a bunch there. It's a risk framework yeah. used to analyze whether a stock price of a company is going to be exposed to an E, an S, or a G risk that hurts its stock price performance yeah. over the long term. It's it's not about, you know, anything else. And so a fiduciary duty is to is to analyze risk. And if you take this out of the risk analysis, as you just said, you're kind of taking back um, the progress of the last few decades of including it. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a good inclusion for risk analysis. Um, we've been critical of it in different ways. But if you look at, if you look at the... If you look at the E and the S and the G, E is yeah is about environment, environmental related risks. Like for example, a company may have uh, a, a heavy exposure to coal, which may not be able to be um, uh, which which may not become commercial at some point because of stranded assets. That could be a risk to to to, to the stock price. That's an E related risk. S social, um, looking at things like supply chain. Is there any modern slave in the supply chains? For example, that's what that looks at. Um, and G is the one that's always been prevalent in capital markets, looking at the governance of a company, you want to invest in companies that have good governance. For example, it's generally seen as good to have a chairman and CEO role separated for corporate governance reasons. Now, some don't have that, but that's what ESG is. Um, it's It's a risk framework. It's used very, very broadly across the industry. It's not used for some kind of political agenda or or woke agenda. It's impossible to do so if you use it properly. Um, it's purely about stock price performance. And so removing it from the equation, is taking a step back on, uh, on stock price analysis. Yeah, um, and I think what people are trying to really get it confused with or deliberately trying to get it confused with is is what you might call like woke washing, Yeah, where there's a lot of corporates that are very, very guilty of this, Yeah, where they try and jump on social issues or mm. even political issues and they try and, uh, you know, align themselves with a cause. Um, you know, like, for example, you see... You see uh, a lot of the companies that sponsored the World Cup in mm. Qatar. If you look at their, if you look at some of their advertising outside of Qatar, it'll be Pride flag or it'll be associated with some some other social uh, campaign. As soon as they go and sponsor the Qatar World Cup, that all gets removed yeah. because they realise that in that market it's either not you know it's not allowed or it doesn't yeah. it doesn't land well, and in other markets it does land well. Now that is purely a marketing, a branding, a a signaling yeah. exercise. It's nothing to do and would not be taken into consideration by any serious investment manager no. whether this company scores highly or lowly on on an ESG framework. Yeah. You know, no one goes, "Ooh, is their LinkedIn lo- profile logo the pride flag yes or no?" and then put that down as the score. It's it's irrelevant from yeah. an investment point of view. Yeah. It's purely there as a as some sort of well, it's called woke washing. It's trying yeah. to align yourself, trying to trying to appeal to to your customers. And I think there's a, there's a genuine conversation and critique to be had for co- companies that are doing that. Yeah, because it is just that not to use a, another kind of clickbaity phrase, but that is virtue signaling. Yeah, you don't really believe in it if you're not doing it across the board. Yeah, you're doing it in markets where you think they'll get a good response, and so loads of time for that. But that's not what ESG analysis has got anything to do with, and it, you shouldn't confuse them. And so yeah. we we talked in the past about ESG shortcomings. I think it's worth just you know, summarizing it again here for what we think is the genuine critique of ESG. Yeah. Um, and the idea is that it's not designed to measure the impact of a company in any way, shape or form. If you look at impact investing compared to impact investing, what you're trying to do there is invest in companies that have a product and service that is linked to providing a solution to a major world problem in some way, climate, social, 
you know, whatever. And you can measure that impact and it's going towards populations that need it and demographics that need it. That's what impact investing is, investing in those companies of the future. ESG is inward looking. So we've always said it's something like analyzing whether a company is a good corporate citizen or not, what they do on the insides and how they operate generally. Um, that's how it's meant. That's what it's meant to be. Um, it, it'll produce companies that are good corporate citizens. It's good at looking at risk analysis for those three dimensions. And that's all it is. It's never been intended to look at whether a company is a positive impact company or a negative impact company or not. Mm-hmm. But the problem that we've seen is that over the last few years, 10 years, whatever, it's become used as a marketing tool in the marketing departments of asset managers to kind of label their funds to be, you know, climate change funds or sustainable funds or save the world funds. Or, you know, you see insane names, but under the hood, it's just with a slight tweak using an ESG risk analysis framework. Yeah. And yeah. so there's a reweighting here and there. It's never been meant to be for that. It's meant, it was an industry inside a thing to measure risk. And it's been taken out of that and being presented as the answer to all of our, all of our problems. And it's not that. I think we've said before, it's like, you know, the marketing department's got hold of it yeah. and they've taken it wildly into something else and then you know there's been some sort of they see that there's some demand for um you know green labeled funds yeah and therefore the, the cycle is fueled so yeah you know it the claims are exaggerated people see demand for the exaggerated claims they get more funds get brushed with the same label yeah and so the cycle goes on and i think there's 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 a few things that i think companies are, are guilty of one is greenwashing mm. um so that's you know investment companies, investment funds are guilty of greenwashing. They're, they're guilty of mislabeling those mm. funds, which then leads to legitimate criticism of, of ESG. Yes. So that, that leaves them open on that side. Yeah. Um, you've, then got, you've then got companies who are guilty of misunderstanding ESG themselves. Mm. So they start to conflate any sort of corporate social responsibility, any sort of charitable thing that they do, any sort of social thing that they do Mm. as in some way linked to ESG. And they start to confuse that from what they put out externally. And then you have this woke washing thing, whereas corporates are desperately trying to appeal to certain, um, you know, customers by, by seemingly aligning themselves with things where it's not really connected to their underlying business model. And that, the combination of things means there is a legitimate criticism that you can have of ESG. And there is some stuff that companies do which is sort of confused and, mm. and not really aligned with their core business. Yeah. And it's left it open for the for the Republicans in America to go and put all of that together, create a load of confusion around ESG and just call it woke and woke yeah, yeah. capitalism and throw yeah. it all out. It was a real danger as well. I remember last year, wasn't it? Elon Musk tweeted that ESG is a scam because yeah. Tesla had been dropped out of one of the main indices because of the ESG disclosures that they don't have or that don't meet the bar. Um, but there's a real danger that in labeling it a scam or by giving, by critiquing it and giving the people who have probably bad intentions more fuel, that it completely just gets overlooked. Yeah. And the danger that we've had in the past is that we criticize ESG and we don't think it goes anywhere near it, far enough. The real answer is impact investing, but there's a there's probably a danger that uh, enough people just see that and then never go that step further and they just critique it and then that's it and it goes away. And I think that's what the pe- people who are critiquing it in the US and the Republican side want, really. Yeah. They just want all this to stop because it doesn't suit their agenda. Yeah, yeah. The future, Matthew. What does the future hold? Tell that us. was that was last episode, wasn't it? I've done enough of predict, <laughs> predicting the future. You're very good at it, though. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So we'll far. see. I mean, it comes back to one of the predictions we did make, though, which yeah. was we do think that 
we did call the death of ESG, I think, or yeah. something similar last last time round. Yeah. So, I mean, and I do think that this will happen. ESG is being attacked on two fronts. Mm. It's being attacked from the impact side of the industry, yeah. like us, yeah. and it's being attacked from the complete polar opposite. Yeah, of I know, us. I know. Um, <laughs> and it's going to get caught in the middle, and it's going to get. It's either going to have to get really much better defined. And, and agreed upon, which I can't yeah. see happening, or it's probably going to diminish in its mm. in its importance, and therefore you'll have the anti woke, anti ESG investments, yeah. and then you'll have the genuine positive impact investments. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the way you see in the regulation go. That's the way you see in the market go. That's the way you see in the the, the commentary and the politics and all the rest of it go. Yeah. So I think that's probably what's going to happen, um, and and I think that ESG label will just fall away and i think i think people will be really much more careful about branding anything as esg for what we've for the reasons yeah, we've yeah. just said and i think people will just steer away from it as a result yeah they'll steer away from it and then in the future people are going to get more hot on what you can call proper impact investing yeah and so the proper ones that are built um with genuine impact research and, uh, and with impact dna at the core will be able to stand out genuinely yeah as investments that are not woke they're not about a liberal agenda they're about creating a positive version of the future along investing in certain themes. And I think that would be a welcome transition for the industry. What you what you might see as well is you might see a bit of sort of stealth ESG analysis. Mm. So, you know, you might get the likes of BlackRock and these big companies just saying, well, we're not doing ESG no, analysis. We, we wouldn't do that. But we're doing, you know, multi-factor risk analysis. That's 100% what would happen, I think. Because really, c- considering ESG... F- risk factors doesn't need to be labelled ESG at all. Yeah. It's really just considering long-term risk factors. Well, that's and, what and, it is. and they're all boiled down to financial risk factors. Yeah. So you're all, you're all going down saying, you know, you categorise these three areas of risk, but basically you're saying they're investment risk factors. Yeah. If I invest in this company, which of these areas might go wrong? I mean, I'll lose my yeah. money. That's all it is. The, so The, the mistake if, they've made in, in the greenwashing side of it, in the marketing side of it, is making it a form of investing, ESG investing. Yeah. But it's just a tool of analysis. It's, it's a risk factor analysis. It's not a way of investing. It's a part of a puzzle to make a proper investment. And, you know, maybe they'll just call it something else or not call it at all, like you say. Probably. Good place to end. <laughs> yep. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Impact Investing from Circa 5000. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk, and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast.